This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Against the better judgment of respectable gentlefolk everywhere, this is the wildly inappropriate podcast of Arthur Greenleaf Holmes, England's only poet laureate of the piss pot. This podcast is not for children, the dull-witted and infirm, or the morally indignant. Arthur takes no responsibility, and never has, for damn near anything. Today's episode, Chaucer Revered, and Nag Nag Nag. Hello everyone, this is Arthur Greenleaf Holmes, and welcome to this, the third episode of the wildly inappropriate podcast of Arthur Greenleaf Holmes. I would like to remind you all that you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course at my website, arthurgreenleafholmes.com. That's Holmes with an L. And it is there and on Facebook predominantly that you can follow any news of my as yet upcoming off-Broadway run, which was scheduled for this past June. And then we have had to shut it down for a while, just waiting until we can find the date where we can resume live audiences in a closed theater space but when that happens i believe that we shall all be rejoicing uh the tentative date is this coming june but we all know how that goes so just stay tuned and i promise you that as i get more details about that upcoming show i shall post them there and also on facebook and instagram probably twitter too i don't use twitter that much as i've said before hmm there was a pub that I would frequent in London, and not because I liked it, but because I had broken my foot, and it was a short hobble from my flat. It wasn't an especially high-end establishment, to put it lightly. The menu was to be largely avoided, especially on Tuesday nights, which featured gently used tapioca. I once complained that the clam chowder was cold and gluey, until it was pointed out that that wasn't the clam chowder. It was the finger bowl. The pub was owned by a man named Claude. He, he wore the same dingy shirt each day, and I say that it was dingy in the same way that you might say that a cerebral hemorrhage is off-putting. He was a dirty man, and is occupying a space within what you Yanks call the hospitality industry was ironic at best. The pub was named the Viscount's Chair, or it used to be, before some juvenile delinquents had stolen four letters from the first word and the C from the second, to spell something which I am not at all comfortable repeating here. Figure it out for yourselves, all ye heathens. If there was one constant there, besides the at-capacity glue traps, it was Ronald. He sat at the bar every night, and his nights began at noon. He was a wan, hunched figure, bent with age, with whiskers that reminded one of brambles grown over a rusted gate. You can't choose your loyalists, and Ronald was the only one the old VC could scare up. I suppose you might even say that he and Claude were friends. Claude usually hovered near the seat where Ronald sat, and they would chat about... Well, actually, I, I don't know what they would chat about. Certainly not laundry day. One evening, as I sat and picked a bandage out of my beef stew, I heard Ronald tell Claude that he was hungry and he wished to order something. What would you like? asked Claude. I want a ham sandwich, came the reply. I don't have a ham sandwich, said Claude. 
I really want a ham sandwich, repeated Ronald. Now this slightly annoyed Claude, and he tossed a bill of fare in Ronald's direction, saying, I don't have a ham sandwich. I'll be back in a minute. Decide what you want. He left and returned in a short spell. What'll it be, he asked. I really want a ham sandwich, came the response, and then this set it off. Claude began screaming at Ronald, and Ronald at Claude. Claude yells, I told you I have no ham sandwich, and Ronald's screaming, I come in here every day, I give you my coins, and you can't make me a ham sandwich. And this goes back and forth, on and on, their pitch and their volume intensifying. I really think it might very well come to blows. But then, suddenly, they stop, glaring at each other, their noses are are practically touching, and Claude says, matter-of-factly, you want a ham sandwich? My friend, I will make you a ham sandwich. And Ronald replies, do you have the thin ham? And inexplicably, Claude says, the best. And he brings him a very nicely made ham sandwich. To this day, I do not know what happened in that moment that caused Claude to make his friend the ham sandwich and which gave Ronald the courage to ask for the thin ham. Something very human and ineffable, which speaks to the complexity of humans. Perhaps it's a condition of those who live in large cities like London, you know, where where one develops a sort of calcified exterior that can nonetheless be broken through, revealing what looks like a warm soul. Honestly, I, I don't know. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Today's podcast is brought to you by Soap, the exciting new product by Wadsworth & Wadsworth. Is your low life expectancy bringing you down? Do you love children, but you're tired of that pesky infant mortality rate? Is dysentery turning your colon into a windsock? Are you looking for a way to punish your foul-mouthed toddler, but you need his wages from the coal mine? Try Soap. It kills 99% of whatever the fuck it is that causes disease. Plus, it gives you the added benefit of an acceptable means of discipline that won't leave your child in leg braces. Soap. The Babylonians used it. Why not you, stink face? Now, I'm sharing this story because, as I said in my first episode, I would like to not only recite some of my own poems, but somehow link them to whatever classic poem or writer, or novel, or work of art, musician, anything, really anything, that could have in some way led to my writing the poem. And today, I would like to recite one of my very first poems, which is called The Wife Addresseth Her Husband. Now, this poem came about just as I was getting started as an inappropriate poet, and in fact, before I'd even come upon that description of myself, because I had yet to grasp how far I could go with this character and his material, and really what I could get away with. In this case, I would like to talk a very little bit about Geoffrey Chaucer, the 14th century English poet and the author of the Canterbury Tales, of course. Now, I'm going to tread rather cautiously here because this is a glancing connection at best. What Chaucer was so good at is in creating vivid whole characters and portraying their entire circumference. And 
Not just what made them comedic and laughable, but what made them sympathetic and admirable. Chaucer himself had a, had a rather atypical life in that, in that period, he was born into the newly arising middle class, but he was soon sent to be a page to the son of King Edward III, and that just didn't happen very often. People did not move upward in that society in the Middle Ages. Chaucer held an astounding array of occupations. He was a soldier, was captured by the French. He did tons of things. Uh, the Norton Anthology of English Literature says that he even was employed counting pans at some point. I don't know exactly why they needed that, but that was his job. I suppose there was a need for pans. And you can hardly believe that he had any time to write, given how many occupations he had. But he occupied positions that allowed him to mix with both nobility and commoners, and he must have done so easily. And I think that it was this belonging to and not belonging to the upper class that may have contributed to his keen eye for real characters. And incidentally, I, I sometimes wonder about this. Chaucer was a, a very well-loved servant to John of Gaunt. And I wonder if Shakespeare's admiration of Chaucer led him in the direction of the Richard plays. That's just a passing thought. I, I don't know. I, I do remember my own father reciting the general prologue of the Canterbury Tales. It, it used to be common teaching for students to have to memorize the first 18 lines. I've memorized it myself. Uh, but I have no idea whatsoever of the proper pronunciations. As I will no doubt constantly declare, I am no scholar. But I do take pleasure every now and then when I'm doing my shows and I begin my sound check. Instead of saying testing one, two, three, I like to begin with one that April with a show is suited, the draft of March hath pierced to the root, and bathed every vein in switch liquor of which virtue engendered is the floor. One Zephyrus eke with his sweet breath, inspired hath in every holt and heath. The tender, I could go on, and but like I say, I really don't know the proper pronunciation of those words. So what you just heard is probably wrong. I am the gateway to what is wrong. Uh, my poem, and like I say, this is a glancing connection to Chaucer, but he did make me want to write a poem that was character-based, and this is what I wrote. It's a soliloquy of a wife who is greeting her drunken sot of a husband who has once again stayed out all night drinking away his wages. And I imagine that the hovel that they live in includes a bed where the goat and the sheep sleep also. So anyway, here is the wife addresseth her husband. Well, look who's here at half past four, lest thou fills my ears with more excuses, fables, wise wherefores, and hitherto untold folklore. Shut up, I'm speaking. Close thy mouth. You tell me north, you give me south. What was it this time? Let me guess. A broken wheel, a frilly dress is probably the reason why you smell a perfume pissing her eye. I said, shut up, thou drunken lout. I've half a mind to throw thee out. Half a mind, take heed of that with all the half a mind thou hast. Thy brain's a flag stuck half-mast. I would I'd wed a monkey's ass. What tumbles from a monkey's at least hath substance, if not soul. Thou hast neither look at me. I might as well talk to a tree. I might as well for all my brain. And how long is thy brother staying? Lying feckless on the floor. You said twould be a week no more. And if my memory serves me right, you promised on our wedding night a honeymoon of thirty nights. You did. You said the Isle of Wight. Ha! What a laugh. I'm laughing still. I should have married Eustace Mills. He's a doctor. Fancy that. He hath a wife, a child, a cat. Fifty acres rimmed with trees. I hear he winters in Belize. You took the best years of my life. A wasted womb, a withered wife. Now get to market, thou hast legs. We're out of milk and low on eggs. 
Well, like I say, please come and visit me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and arthurgreenleafholmes.com. Stay tuned here for more news on the upcoming Off-Broadway show, and I will talk to you shortly. Cheers. This has been the wildly inappropriate podcast of Arthur Greenleaf Holmes. Counselors are standing by for those of you in need of a good talk down. Please send all complaints to the Ministry of Abiding Indifference, whose address we haven't yet gotten around to. Follow Arthur on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and your local police blotter, and go to arthurgreenleafholmes.com to find out how you can be responsible for bringing this pervert to an off-Broadway theater. We'll see you next week. Toodles. Posted on dimlywit.com.